Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Warning, the following program is not for the weak-hearted. Those who are closed-minded, or in general, you're scared to learn what's behind closed doors. Here at Sapphire's Airplay, I want you to pour the wine. Grab somebody that you want to hold on to, or better yet, get the vibrations stimulated through your body. Get ready for one hell of an orgasm in five, four, three, two, one. What is up all you sexy motherfuckers out there in Radio Land? It's your girl, Sapphire. And first of all, I just want to open up the show and say happy Mother's Day to all the mamas. I don't care how you identify, but if you are a motherly figure to someone special in your life, happy Mother's Day to you. And please, I hope y'all get some peace and some rest and make those motherfuckers work today. (laughs) Today is your day to be catered to. And I am so excited to have this very special guest. Um, Some may call her priestess. Some may call her goddess. And some may just call her Anya. Anya, welcome to Sapphire Zero Play. You are part of the sisters sanctum the slut sisters sanctum sanctum the flaming yoni podcast which is fucking amazing y'all y'all have only been around for two years and are just killing it um i'm so so proud of you with you and what you know mistress carlet have just done for the community episode after episode i know that you guys were doing some uh motherhood digging on your episodes as well which i highly suggest that you guys go check out i'm actually trying to play catch up i'm about two three weeks behind so now i'm like okay gotta get to it Mm -hmm. because there's just a Mm -hmm. lot of good shit that i've been missing out and some of them i might have to steal some of those guests because i'm just like just fucking phenomenal i love it Right. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. When you brought up this concept of talking about motherhood and kink, I'm like, yeah, fucking in. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) Because I, it just doesn't happen often enough that we talk about these things being blended. Obviously, I'm not doing kinky shit in my role as a mother, (laughs) right? Like, clearly keeping a good... (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm just letting the audience know they agree they agree with it yeah <laughs> <laughs> clearly there's always age appropriate and whatever the conversation may be but i just don't think we think enough as women as femmes about how all of these things go together to make us who we are we don't always have to bifurcate them and put them in these tiny little containers and never be full and whole and really integrated. And I hate how, you know, the more that I've stepped into this world of being polyamorous, going to swinger parties, it's like there are a lot of moms that are showing up to these swinger parties. And I'm not talking about like, you know, oh, I got my teens that, you know, they're doing God knows what. No, I'm talking like mothers who had just given birth and they're just trying to reclaim their sexuality by going to a swingers party, by going to kink events and just trying to find and get their sexy back. But what are we doing as a society of so-called sisterhood when we're mom shaming and slut shaming these mothers? 
<laughs> I mean, let's just go on and the record and say there is no bound, there is no end to how much we can shame femmes in this world, in this society. So it doesn't matter whether we're doing it from a kink perspective, from a sex perspective, from a mothering perspective, from any perspective, we pit women against each other. We say what they can and can't do with their bodies. We want to be in control of the women in our world. And I'm just so proud of all the women who step forward and say, no, no, I'm, I'm not here for that. I am here to reclaim myself. I'm here to reclaim my wholeness, my fullness. That includes my sexuality. That doesn't preclude me from being a good mother. It doesn't preclude me from making other choices about motherhood if I choose not to go that route. But all of it together, I think, is, you know, you said, what are we doing wrong? We're doing so much wrong. But... I also think that the conversation is starting to turn a little bit, or at least it's opening up more, and you see more people stepping into these spaces and willing to put themselves out there and say, yes, I am a sexual being, I am also a mother, I am also a professional, I am also all of these different things, and I can do it all. And it's not about like, can women have it all? Like, that's not even what I'm talking about, like work and career and family and all of that stuff. It's about, can I be a whole person? Can mm. I be a whole being, you know? And we cut that part of our lives off so much. Our sexuality, our our heart, our like our access to who we are as a sensual being. And really to me, the biggest crime when we're doing that is that we're cutting off our own life force energy, right? And so there's nothing generating inside of us to kind of keep us moving, keep us going and keep us engaged with our own bodies and knowing what's going on inside of them and what we're feeling and what we want. You know, there's there's all sorts of directions we could take this. I've been having conversations about embodiment. There are conversations we've been having in the Slut Sister Sanctum. It's our Discord group around what do we share with our children? Do we want to bring them into our sex positivity? There's so many ways we can go with all this. So I'm, I'm going to shut up. And- I, I found it, you know, first of all, what sparked this conversation is one, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, listen, I was supposed to interview some other woman. Um, mm. Unexpectedly, you know, things change with, you know, topics and scheduling and whatnot. And we were going to talk about just the censorship of, being a sex positive woman on social media but this can mm. also tie into motherhood because yes. we have been seeing an influx of women who are mothers reclaiming their sexuality reclaiming their sluttuality through podcasting mm. one in particular we've all um those earbuds who are familiar with good moms bad choices they are a phenomenal podcast that has now been getting so much recognition this week. I don't know if it's because of Mother's Day or the fact that they just dropped a book just recently. I want to say just on Tuesday of last week, leading up to Mother's Day and going to very motherly type talk shows like the Today Show and all that. And talking about, you know, being moms who smoke weed, who have promiscuous mm-hmm. sex, but all the while being mothers, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how now in 2023, we're seeing more moms talking about microdosing, talking about (laughs) going to swinger parties. And then we have this other group, you know, because we're having the battle of our ovaries every so often in the news. You know, you have these women who are making these policies against our bodies saying, well, 
that's not what a mother does. Well, what the fuck does a mom do? Right. A mom doesn't in 2023 just stay at home and knit and wait for the husband to get home from a hard day's work. I'm sorry, but we need to treat our moms right. with a little bit more respect as far as a pay grade. I am full heartedly supportive of saying that women who work from home, you know, I think that being a mom is a full time job. It never stops, you know on top of whatever you do. But I also feel that stay-at-home moms deserve a pay cut. I think if you are a stay-at-home mom, you definitely deserve to get some money being paid for what you do day in and day out. Being the chauffeur, being the the chef, being the housekeeper. (laughs) I mean, shit. All the things. (laughs) All the things. And I'm not even a mother, but it's like I've been raised around very powerful women in my family. My Mm. mom just retired back in November, as many of you know, from being a nurse for over 45 years in both pediatrics Mm. and postpartum. She, an only child for me, my mom and dad are still very much together, but my mom did a lot, especially when my dad was going out of town and traveling. You know, my mom was the home base, but then would also have to be someone else's mom and on the nurse's home front. Where are the accolades being done for the moms who are day in and day out sacrificing themselves? And we're not talking about it. And then for Mm. the moms that want to find this release in microdosing and free sex and free love, why are we not supporting them? (laughs) I, I hear you wholeheartedly. You know, when I remember a conversation that came up when my son was a baby and it was it was it was another generation of women, you know, kind of making some judgment about the fact that I was choosing to have a career mm-hmm. as well as being a mother, right? And the comment that was made to me is, oh, it's just so sad that he's not going to grow up knowing what it's like to have a mother who was caring for him day in and day out. And I was like, oh, that that that's the assumption. So if I choose to have a career, I don't care about my child day in and day out. And if I choose to stay home, then there's other judgments that come on of that, right? Like there's lack of recognition, lack of everything that's happening. And Y'all, so my face right now, I'm just like in disbelief <laughs> because how fucking dare a woman right. like yourself go and provide for your damn child, but someone's condescending you saying you're not providing for your child because you're not fucking there. Right. It's, I mean, this is what we're talking about. And I don't, I don't want to say we're in a war against women in this world, but come on. I mean, in a little way we are because women are damned no matter what they do. And so if we are choosing to take care of ourselves in whatever way that looks like, I mean, I microdose, look, I've got a freaking jar of capsules right here. You know, I should have worn my mushroom sweatshirt. (laughs) So, you know, I'm taking my care of myself that way. Did I have a, a, a time this after or an afternoon this past week I did a big self-care afternoon and I allowed myself to receive pleasure I allowed myself to receive a massage I allowed myself to microdose I had time for myself because that is what makes me a better mother right and every individual gets to choose for themselves what that looks like and there's always going to be judgment waiting for you no matter what your fucking choice is you know what's interesting too that i found out was that it's only been 13 years so since 2010 that the american psychiatric association declared that fetishism as well as bdsm is a wide umbrella for um of course you know bondage and discipline but also that it's no longer to be a pathology. And even further, 
that before 2010, parents who were open about their kinky lifestyle were susceptible in losing their jobs, let alone custody of their own children. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, is Priestess Anya my real name? No. No. Am I afraid that this part of me that I am as a whole individual in being could disrupt my child's life if people know who I really am? Could it impact my professional career and licensure if people found out? Sure. So we have to protect some of these things because regardless of whether the fact that BDSM is no longer considered a psychosis or something along those lines. The fuck? Like, and the fact that... That doesn't mean... The judgment's not there. It doesn't mean that safety exists for you just because you're not labeled or pathologized in a particular way, right? And so we continue to have to protect who we are. We have to continue to protect our children from the ways that they will be judged and ridiculed and whatever. You know, I was I was at a little gathering last night of girlfriends and afterwards I left to go pick my son up. And I constantly, Megan, am walking this line of like, okay, you know, this is the identity of me as mother, as professional, as whatever. This is the identity of me as Anya working within the sex positive space, all of that. Who do I allow in? Mm. Who is safe? Who can I talk about it with? Well, I ended up picking my son up. I was in a room full of three other mothers, and one of them knows me pretty well and has access to that aspect of my life. And the conversation comes up around sexuality. And she looks at me and she says, it's time. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, and I launched into talking about the fact that I have this podcast and that I do sex coaching. And these other two women put their phones out in front of my face and said, like, I want your phone number. I want your podcast. I want to know and I want to join and I want to start talking about this because we have to be willing in safe spaces to be able to have these conversations and extend the table more because while slut sisters might be attracting a lot of people who are more comfortable acknowledging the fact that they're in more of a non-normative space whether it be bdsm or kink or lifestyle or whatever you know we might have a lot more women there but there are so many 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 other women many more like per capita sitting at home wishing that they had an outlet or a release or something like that and so bridging the gap between all of the communities that are trying all the things and the people who wish they could but are sitting on the sidelines and don't know their access point I don't know that's kind of where I'm at right now trying to bridge all of this and bring them more into the fold and normalize what it is they're experiencing even if they don't want to go to non-monogamy I don't care like do you right but also your pleasure still matters do you think that a lot of it stems from the fact of look at the generation before us I mean I I don't want to ask your age, but I, excuse me. Oh, I'm very open about my age. Okay. So, you know, how old are you on? I am 46. Okay. So you are in that pre post baby boomer era. I'm 34. Post. Uh, Post. Yeah. And so you were raised what in the 60s, 70s. I I was born in 76. So in a very transitional part of America where, you know, Mm -hmm. the, 
hipsty, the hippie movement was already on its way out. Disco and drugs are at a heightened, you know, sense. But also the women's liberation movement <laughs> is just about ending. You are in mm-hmm. that, you were in, born in that transitional period where in America, Roe v. Wade wasn't even really a thought. Right. And then you have this mindset of women who were stemming from the post-war of World War II into 1950s housewife mentality, where it's like, okay, women barely in the 70s were even allowed to like be seen as acceptable to go into the workplace and have a full-blown career. We still get that judgment, but think about what it was like for your parents, your mother, right. your grandmother during that transitional period where even barely they could drive to get a no, fucking they license. they had two choices. And if they were going to work outside the home, do you want to be a teacher or you want to be a nurse? That. Well, or you might be able to be a bank teller. You you could maybe do that too, like, or a waitress. Mm-hmm. Like, those are your options, right? I remember in elementary school, it was in the 1980s, when Sandra Day O'Connor was appointed to the Supreme Court. And that was the day I decided I was going to become an attorney. Wow. Because I knew, like, at that time, I didn't know the statistics in law school, but, like, the number of women coming out of law school back then, pretty low, right? But by the time I graduated law school in 07, there was probably, depending on the year, like a fluctuation, but usually a little more, like 51% women and 49% men coming out of law school at that age. And and it so the, the pendulum swung so far mm-hmm. in that way, but the conversation didn't. When I came out, I talked about this in one of our episodes, and it still just kind of gets me. I'm sitting at my desk. I am nine months pregnant. I am actually nine months and two weeks pregnant. And a woman comes into my office at the law firm and she says to me, I'm going to go ahead and send you home, but just know we're getting ready to do mass layoffs. You're safe, but you'll be back in a few months. I also want to give you some resources that I use when my children get sick because you don't have to stay home with them. Here are some resources that you can use and you can call people in to come take care of your children at home for you so that you can still come to work. And I was like, okay, first of all, you just saved me from getting, you know, canned, which is great. I'll I'll take it. But also now the expectation is get your ass back to work. Don't stay home with your kid when they're sick and all of these things. And I'm like, okay, so has the pendulum swung too far? Like, are we trying to now say that motherhood just doesn't ever have to have an inconvenience? Like, it's still a choice. And I want to spend time with my child when they're sick. And it's, it's caused me all sorts of interesting kind of internal kerfuffle because I'm like, yes, I want women to have all the opportunities that they deserve. And also, we shouldn't have to turn off our maternal instincts and what makes us who we are. Like, mm. some women may not care to stay home with their kids when they're sick. No judgment. You do you. But if I want to, I'm not allowed now because I've chosen this profession. So I basically just have to act like I have a dick and walk into work every day and just, like, not, you know, like, I, it's not my job to take care of this child that I just brought into the world. <laughs> like, it's very conflicting, right? Like, Extremely. I have... You know, like, what did feminism do for us? Well, it did a lot, but it also has done a lot in other ways to, like, hurt us. I I think also when you throw out, and going into now the kinky side of that, when we throw out feminism, I feel personally that people abuse the word feminism now when they use it in sexuality. 
being a feminist doesn't mean that you respect women because you don't watch porn, okay? Let's get that out of your head too. But also being a feminist means you don't kink shame or mom shame those who are exploring their sexuality the way that they want to. Because I have seen that too. Don't call yourself a feminist if you are not including all feminine energy in the spaces, including mothers. Thank you. Yeah. So let's get into this. At what point or even before, were you, would you say that you were a kinky person before you stepped into motherhood or has motherhood in fact enhance the kinky side of Anya? Hmm. Well, I would say that the kinkiness in me was always there, but it was not expressed until I hit my 40s. So for me, that's basically when my sexual awakening occurred was it was probably around the age of like 39 40 and it was not until well into motherhood that that part of me started to arise and that i recognized it and was willing to admit that it was there and it was not for it was not easy to allow and to acknowledge kind of what was coming in for me at that time you know, we call it, we talk about slut sisters and we say that we are sexually liberated, unchained and transformed women. And the unshaming piece, I would say, was the piece that took the longest. And I would say still, I have residual moments where I have to work through some of that. But my relationship to myself and kink and knowing my own desires and pleasure, I would say that it's actually really amped up a lot as my child has con- like started converging into more of like the adolescent age and their sexuality is coming online, their identity is coming online because we're able to have conversations that are really like holding space for them as they try to figure out who they are and how they identify and who they like and all of that. And so I would say that seeing them go through their own coming of age is helping me look at myself a little bit more as well. And it's it's really cool. I was so I was gonna ask you if you feel like a sort of envy of the world that your children are able to grow uh, up in as far yes. as like expressing their sexuality the way that they can. I do. I I do yet I'm not like upset about it. I'm mm-hmm. just grateful. Right. I'm so grateful that they have the opportunity at this point in our history of understanding that a lot of the things that we talk about are constructs. Yes, we do have biology. We have all of these things. And also the inner and the outer are not always the same and they don't always match. And so you have a choice. You get to explore who you are. And it's not just a given. You know, my son came home from first grade and I said, tell me about, tell me about your class. Tell me about your new friends, everything. And he said to me, oh, the coolest thing. Um, Do you remember so-and-so in kindergarten? And it was two identical twin boys. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, mom, they're girls now. And their names are blah and blah. And I was like, 
no way that's so cool I love what do you this. think about that and he was like well at one point today they wanted to go to the girls bathroom and somebody said they couldn't but I don't understand that because they're girls so why can't they go to the girls bathroom and a month in it wasn't even a conversation all the kids were like of course, they're girls. Why shouldn't they go to the girls' bathroom? They're not even worried about it. They are just honoring what is for other people, and they mm. don't think it's their business to get in the way of those decisions. Hey, Florida, take note of this this <laughs> part right here. Y'all need to listen the fuck up. Texas, you too. Y'all need to listen and take this Thank as you. a lesson. Because, again, yeah. this also comes into all this. I think when people talk about kink, they tend to forget that this is a lifestyle. It's not the actions. It's not right. just, oh, you're having sex. No, I think having a kink lifestyle is that you are taking parts of the BDSM swinger lifestyle protocol you know, polyamorous lifestyle and putting it into your day-to-day -day life. That's why it's yeah. called a lifestyle. And like you said, right. you know, I'm not, I'm a kinky mom, but it's not like I'm showing all my sex toys to my kids. <laughs> right. No, I actually go to great lengths to keep that out of their hands. <laughs> but... has, has there ever been a point where oh. the kids have stumbled across something or maybe they have heard you, you know, recording and they're like, mom, what were you just talking about? Like, do you ever, like, find yourself having to censor the limitation of how sexually open you're going to have chats with your, your kids? And I find this very interesting when I ask this question to people such like yourself because you were the first person to say yes to being interviewed to talk about motherhood in their kink. A mm. lot of the other moms that I had asked... They all suggest, like, one in particular suggested you. But also they were like, I love you. I just don't know if I, personally for me, if I'm ready to talk about motherhood yeah. and kink. Oof. Yeah, I mean, I said yes immediately. But it's because of the conversations I have with my son all the time. So, yes, has it ever been stumbled upon? <laughs> I remember. Lots of, like, non-existent. I mean, we could talk about this, but we're not gonna. But, like, boundary issues, right? Like... We are pretty open here in this home and we, you know, walk around sometimes, you know, like clothes. Yes, sure. We're covered. But like if it doesn't happen, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And like nobody's worried about it. Well, one time he walks into my bathroom <laughs> uh oh, and there were an array of toys that had just been cleaned out. And he's like, how many penises do you need? <laughs> That's a record scratch moment right there. But seriously, mom, how many penises do you need? I, there's different sizes. There's different widths and lengths. There's different textures and different. Oh, I need all of them. It's fine. So that was pretty funny. That was a good one. And also, I was just like, also, like, you don't have to walk into my bathroom unannounced without, you know, like, without asking first. So oh my God. there is a separation here. So, you know, that's on me, right? But like, also on him. That's so funny that you said that because my mom is the same way. Like, growing up, I was I was a snooper. Again, only child. You're only left to the imagination. My son's an only child, Right? Too, so totally. there you go. It's like, only children, we're going to find some shit. That's why we're yeah. usually, like, the go-to to spy 
on your significant others. Like, if I know my friend is dating somebody, honey, I'm going to find out everything about your significant other and tell you this man or this woman or whoever is just not right. Right. I'm going to tell you because I'm going to find some shit. And as my mom used to say, you find some shit, you know you're not going to like it, so don't go into my room thinking you're going to find some shit and like it. Right. That's we, We've had that conversation because I'm just, there's not anything I'm ever going to lie about. I may not, like, disclose anything that's not appropriate for their age, but, right. like, also, you know, be careful what you ask for because you're going to get the truth, you know? Exactly. So, I mean, we've gotten to the point where, like, I have some psychedelics that are under lock and key. That goes with me. He does not have a, you know, like I got to make sure that he doesn't have access to some of that stuff in terms of, yeah, toys and playthings. Like those are put away, all of that sort of thing. But we are very open in our conversation. I will say this. He is aware that I am a non-monogamous person. He is aware that I work in sex positive spaces. He knows about the podcast. He doesn't know what it's called. He doesn't, he's blocked from my Instagram mm-hmm. and he would never think about Twitter, I don't think. So like, <laughs> not, I say that. That's, yeah, you know, famous last words. Hold my beer. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, I will figure that out. Uh, but but anyway, like there, like there's some things he, he knows enough and he is cool with it. And I knew that I was coming on the show. So I, I had to ask him, I just said, hey, like, does it bother you that I'm in this space? Does it, how do you feel about it? And he goes, I don't really think about it a lot. I think I'm probably a lot more sex positive because you are, but I don't think about it a lot. But my... <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I, I felt it too. It, it Honestly, it does make a difference. I know I've said this in Moan Spaces, and I think you actually were in the room when I had said this, of how, you know, thankful I am that my mom was a nurse and that my father, you know, mm. works on computers, which goes in hand in hand in sex because <laughs> I didn't know, you know, he, I, I'm a very precocious person, even still in my childhood. I still to say in my adulthood, but as a child, I mean, the human body always fascinated me. I knew what masturbation was. I was taught at a very young age that if I do need to touch myself, we don't do it in public places. We do it in a bathroom. Yep. We do it, you know, in the comfort of your bedroom and you don't allow people to come in. You know, I was told at a young age, don't walk around the house. Like at one point I was a nudist as a baby, but as I started mm. developing breasts and hair, you know, there was a time mom and dad had to say, you can't be walking around the house naked anymore, you yeah. know, especially when your father's around. And it's like, I understand that now, you know, as I've gotten into adulthood, my dad's not a predatory man, but he's also still a man. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, it can make someone uncomfortable. And my dad was uncomfortable seeing his daughter naked, which yeah. is totally valid. But also, right. I, I love the fact that my parents were very open and honest with the body, with sexuality mm-hmm. throughout my adulthood. Now seeing yeah. their daughter, you know, talking about sex openly and, you know, yeah. going into polyamory, becoming bisexual, more le- mostly queer. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable, but I'm glad that sure. I'm able to have these conversations, even if my parents don't fully understand. They'd rather me go out in the world educating the masses and unfortunately, I tried to get my mom on the show and she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, she's like, I just, she's like, I just don't know. And I was like, well, mom, it's going to be for Mother's Day. She's like, that is too soon of a heads up. I, 
no, no, I love you, <laughs> but I don't think we can do this. <laughs> right. Which is right. understandable. It's hard. It's hard to talk about your sex life, to talk about yeah. your parenting styles, where especially parents are not 100% fully on board across America about totally. talking to their kids about sex. In fact, I found it really interesting in a New York Post um, article from 2022. They did a survey, mm -hmm. and they were um, a survey of over 2,000 parents, um, ages 5 to 18, and they basically just said how they talk or will they talk to their children's, uh, children about sex. An alarming rate of nearly, what was it, 21% of these adults mm -hmm. said that they have no plan to bring it up at all and that they rather it go into the hands of someone else, uh, let alone they said, and I quote, and I think this is the death to parenting, but said, I will allow someone else on social media to do it for them. Yep. With that said, Girl. Anya, and you are part of this space of social media, how do you feel about that, knowing that there are parents? And again, 21% may seem low, but 21% out of 2,000 people, that's an entire city. Not an entire city. That's a small town. It's the town I grew up in. <laughs> there you go. How does that make I mean, you I feel, feel? I feel really sad about it because, you know, I will say for, you know, all... I grew up in a very conservative place and I can say a lot of things about that and how it has formed myself and how all of the unshaming I needed to do in my own sexuality after my own coming of age at 40, which is not normal. But I think that it, it just makes me really sad that that's what's happening still today because I remember it being revolutionary for me at age I don't know 13 or 14 when I started my period and my mom talking to me about sex and just honestly being pretty open with me because I knew that my friends weren't getting that conversation mm -hmm. and here we are how many years later and I was on vacation with my girlfriends a couple weeks ago and like the consensus was we'll let you talk to our kids about sex <laughs> And here's another thing. Because they know. They know. Yeah, what, what's the next? The next is that 26% said they would pass the buck to the other parent, the male parent, which could or could not be a good thing. Couldn't, could not could be a good thing. Could not be, yeah. You know, but um, also 35% of, of these parents that were surveyed said that they would leave, you know, sex education up to the schools. School, which is, let's be honest about the level of sex education happening in our schools today. I mean, don't get me started. Honestly, they sent the curriculum home to me for my for my oh, son's no. middle school sex education, and I sent it on to one of my girlfriends, um, also a friend of yours, um, Mistress K, and she was like, Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> like we pick apart what's happening in our schools because it's just so not sufficient, right? It's Do you so insufficient. Do you find it hard to bring it up maybe at those PTA meetings? Girl, I don't the go to the PTA. Okay. I, 
I'm, I, I have realized and decided my son gets sex education at home. Like Good. that is just what it is. Mm-hmm. So we are talking about it here. And I have promised him like boundary wise, like I'm not going to tell stories about him on social media or publicly because that's, that's just a boundary we've put in place. But he does know about masturbation and he does know about self-pleasure and he does have, you know, I, I've given him some things that can help him explore his body a little bit better and things like that that are appropriate, that I deem appropriate. But we are having those conversations here. And we, even just this week, we had a conversation about birth control because obviously he's not talking about taking it, but he was talking about some friends of his who their parents just kind of like threw birth control at them and just said like, don't oh get God. pregnant. Oh God. And he was like, I'm 14. Like, how is this happening right now? And I was like, well, it, it, sex is happening in the population of your age group. Absolutely. The fact that you're not having it, I think that's great because let's talk. I am sex positive, but it does come with emotions and feelings that you have to be prepared to receive, to process, to be able to work through. And you've got to know when you're ready for that, you know? And so just because I'm sex positive doesn't mean I think my 14-year-old should be out there having sex. Exactly. You know, that's there's a difference, right? Just because I'm slut positive doesn't mean that I think that everybody should be, like, going out and spreading their trauma everywhere and trying to heal through, like, re-traumatizing themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many things that we could talk about there. But no, I'm really sad that that is where the vast majority of kids are going to be getting their sex education, either at school in the classroom or with their friends. That's where it's going to happen, which is going to lead them to porn, which I don't have a problem with porn, but I don't think that's where children should be getting their sex education. And it's definitely not going to teach them about how to please themselves, how to please a partner. It's going to give them all these fake ideas about what pleasure actually looks like. Or they're going to be getting it from social media. And that, unfortunately, is just the reality. And that's what scares me the most because of the fact that look at the war on social media that is happening. Thank you. Against sex positive <laughs> people. Oh, okay. my gosh. It's yes. like day in yes. and day out. You know, we know that Mistress K, who will be on an episode next week, y'all, um, just lost her Instagram, her Instagram for the third, fourth time. And I'm just yeah. like... Left and right, I've been threatened a few times. It's like now I'm pulling back completely and being weary of the words I'm putting out. It's like this mm-hmm. episode. This episode is called "Kinky as a uh, Kinky Like a Mother," but it's like, is someone gonna flag this because we are right. literally talking about the education and the the importance of why you need to incorporate if you are in fact a leader in the kink or sex positive world that you need to pass mm-hmm. this information down to your kids. Right. I mean, the answer is probably yes, unfortunately. I think somehow I have largely, I, I've i been really shadow banned pretty badly on Twitter. Yeah. And I don't even put anything risque really out there. I'm pretty, I'm pretty vanilla on Twitter as far as it goes. And in terms of Instagram and TikTok, I'm very vanilla. And yet I have just this week, I've gotten two strikes on TikTok and one more and I'm gone. And it was because I posted we're hosting a Slut Sister event soon right. called Slut Bag Roulette, and we're going to have some content creators on there. Nobody's going to be naked. We're not doing anything sexy. We're just talking. It's a conversation. And the first time it was banned was because of illegal, um, we were promoting illegal activity. Well, what? it's because it had the word roulette in it, and they said it was promoting gambling. Oh, my God. And then, which there's literally no gambling in this, and then I, I peeled it again, and they said, oh, okay, 
you're right. It's not gambling, but it is promoting sex, and that's worse. <laughs> make it make sense. And I mean, like, everybody's like, well, why don't we just band together and make our own sex social media? We've seen how this happens. Okay. Right. The minute that a social media outlet is, you know, becoming popularized in one way or another, there are companies that want to buy into it and then they're going to have their say and say, this doesn't make the money. So therefore we have to get rid of it. But when you are yep. literally banning education, because that's right. what the fuck it is. There's a difference between, right. yes, the only fan girls selling their pussies on TikTok <laughs> and whatnot. But when someone is literally showing an anatomy of right. what a vulva fucking a is. Yeah. Right. Any of it. Or a penis. If a man could show his nipples, stop shaming the mom who is showing other moms a better way of propping their bosom to feed their child. <laughs> yeah, I it is really not only is it difficult to kind of get the word out. Right. But it's difficult then to spread well, I mean, I guess that's one and the same, but it's so hard to spread education and to get people in community with one another. It is. Which that's really all we are trying to do. And it is just left and right, block, block, block. And it is just, we're having to like ha call sex segs, you know, S-E-G-G-S. And I'm like, okay, here we go. I yep. feel like I need a fucking decoder every day of the week because there's to just To figure so out the new way to say the word that's not going to get picked up that and, part. you know, banned. I yeah. hate it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely hate it. And again, it brings us back to why why is it such a big fucking deal what people do behind closed doors because when we can't control the narrative we can't control the people and when we can't control the people then our system doesn't work consumerism and patriarchy and all of those things is just we got to control the masses absolutely so we have to keep everything you know really as we wrap up have you heard of a bdsm family dynamic or a BDSM family. I have not. So I hadn't either until last night when I was doing some research. And I found this okay. very interesting. So, of course, a BDSM family dynamic will consist of a couple or more people engaging in a BDSM relationship where they can be open about it with other family members. These groups of people will be living together as they engage in different kinds of relationship structures like mommy, daddy, master, servant roles. But on top of that, the couple um, may have kids that are wrapped into this. Mm -hmm. Of course, as we said, the norm. If you have a little kid, you should keep it away, you know, all sex toys away from them. However, they accidentally find it, you should discuss it with them and then take it away. In this way, you can make them understand your relationship without hiding it. Therefore, mm. you can introduce your BDSM relationship with them without any awkward moments. This process mm. is also important for them to understand in their own personal sex life and journey. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, is there a problem with that with parenting? I don't think so. Because you are getting... I haven't, no. Yeah. I have no problem with it. And I know that people will say, like, they will continue to come back and they'll say, like, but BDSM, BDSM like, there are power dynamics, there could be, you know, sadism and masochism and all of the things. Like, yes, but age appropriate and keeping things that are not for children, not for them. Exactly. But what's the difference then, like, in a polycule when people are having, you know, 
our family looks different than other families. There's no problem with this. We just have to educate our children age appropriately and then they're coming into the world with a different awareness. Right. I have I have a really good friend, couple friends who are in a 24/7 power exchange and their children know that daddy calls mommy goddess and that mommy is in charge all the time and that that's their dynamic that's a bdsm dynamic absolutely and that's not a broader one but like who cares we've lived in communes forever we've raised children communally forever like why is this any different so yeah i mean i think obviously with the caveats of like the right education at the right time when they're developmentally able to have it I don't get it. It's none of my business. Go for it. Do you? Like, I, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't see any harm or foul, and it's something that I have definitely talked about with my primary partner, Benjamin. You know, we have entertained the fact that we do want kids, and what polyamory life will look for, you know, look for us as we maybe venture into the world yeah. of marriage and babies and all that, but it's not like we're going to hide it. We will, you know, let them know, like, mommy and daddy love each other very much, but also mommy has a girlfriend. Daddy has yeah. a girlfriend. Who are your yeah. aunties? You may see us kiss auntie. Yeah. And we all love you. You know, but yeah. we're not going to be fucking on the kitchen table in front of them. Right. You know, and right. all that. And <laughs> so be it. So I love the whole concept of BDSM family when I first saw it, I was like wait totally because first of all it was a little alarming that I saw like a little girl holding literally a flogger in between her mom and dad and I was like hold <laughs> up <God>. y'all <laughs> what's going on here right I was I like wait it. a second this is not littles this is literally a child holding up the flogger but then as they explained they're like yes we are trying to normalize that yes they may see they may find because again no matter how hard you try to hide Christmas presents right. ladies and ladies and gentlemen your kids are going to find it right and it's no different than like me let I mean maybe some people might argue it is I would argue it's not much different than me letting my child have a sip of wine to see what it tastes like now and talking about alcohol responsibly and mm -hmm. the consumption of that sort of thing or when he knows that I'm going on a, a plant medicine ceremony weekend and that yeah that doesn't mean that I'm you know constantly when you are in my presence and under my charge doing psychedelics. No, right? Like there is a difference and we can talk about things responsibly. And I think that's what creates our children to be more open-minded and more sex positive and all of those things. 1000%. And yeah, I, and I will say this, what I'm curious about, uh, because this is a conversation that came up in our sanctum somewhat recently. One of our members has a daughter who's pretty old, like 17, 18, still living at home and not really planning to leave the home anytime soon. And they are really trying to figure out how to continue to be a little bit more open in their in their sexual dynamic with the daughter under the roof all this time because she's completely unaware of all of it, right? So when you start out children very young in these types of, whether it be a polycule or a BDSM family or whatever communal situation you're talking about, the younger they are, the easier it's going to be for them to have that mm. frame of reference. The same way my child could come home from first grade and say, hey, they were boys last year and they're girls this year. Wow. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing, you know? So when they're very young, it can be something that kind of grows with them. And it's not something that has to blow their mind at age like 14 or 15 when it's got zero frame of reference for them. So I do have some curiosity about like, 
you know, if you aren't raising your children that way from a very young age, how do you introduce it to them when they're at a more crucial adolescent turning point? Like, could be different. I don't know. But on the whole, I think when things are done with love and respect and mutuality and consent and all of those things, I just think there are there's pretty much a way to work through anything with children, with other grownups. And it seems to me like that's their intent from what you're telling me. And it needs to be something that continuously evolves. As the child gets older, the questions get more mature or immature. Totally. You know, absolutely. I think at various different stages, parents, I would only hope that parents need to understand that we no longer can just say, I'll tell you when you're older. Mm-hmm. That's no longer a resource or a, no longer an excuse because your kids right. have smartphones. I don't know kids yeah. who don't have smartphones at the age of five, which is terrible, <laughs> which is fucking terrible because I'm just like, y'all are just, you are just setting them up for failure, but I'm not a parent. That's just me and my observation and saltiness because I didn't get a, a cell phone. <laughs> I didn't get a cell phone until I was in going into high school. I had just graduated from eighth grade. And I remember the first time I got a cell phone and that thing only turned on and I could text. That's it. Okay. Uh I wasn't, my mom and dad said, Oh, you want an iPhone? You got iPhone money. You got Blackberry money. (laughs) I think it was like iPhone was just barely a thought. No, it's, I want a Blackberry. Do you got Blackberry money? I want a sidekick. Do you got sidekick money? Then no. As long as we're paying our plan, you're under our plan. Totally. That's it, you know? And so I didn't get a smartphone until I was like, hell, graduating from college because I was broke. (laughs) Okay? Like, I was a boring, boring person with my phones, but I'm kind of happy that my parents kind of limited that and maybe they were, you know, foreshadowing the things that come, you know, and protecting Mm -hmm. me about sexting and you know every bit of danger that comes across with social media now and i hate to say it but they knew yeah they knew yeah yeah we gotta watch out for our young people for sure we do you know we have we you know as a mother like that's the one thing that i'm always wanting to make sure that like anything that i'm bringing into his life it is something that is either you know additive for him that is not about me, you know, that it, that it's making it so that he is able to learn more openly about how to navigate all of these things. I always want to have open lines of communication with him. And he has asked me for, you know, a couple of things within this space where I've just said, you know what, um, I don't think that's the right age yet. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think we're there. Mm -hmm. And, And I've had like, and I'm, I don't say no often, like one of the things that my mom passed on to me, and we just talked about this again, recently, she was out for a visit is that her dad told her, say yes, every chance you get, because there's always an opportunity for no, but like, if you don't have to use it, don't. And so I kind of operate under that with my, with my kiddo, but also like, there are times that I'm like, I'm not saying no, but I am saying not yet, not now. And there will come times I'll say no. But like I, I like that approach, though. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like that approach. And I was going to ask you, because um, a friend of mine reached out to me. And it's funny because of, it literally happened this week. And he was just like, I just don't know what to do with my kid. This is a step mm. kid, I guess you could say. Um, he has a baby on the way. 
Like literally mm-hmm. baby's dropping anytime at this mm-hmm. moment. And his girlfriend's son is, I believe mm-hmm. he said was 13 or 14 and mm-hmm. recently said that he is non-binary, but also, mm-hmm. you know, identifies as he, but he also expressed to my friend and his girlfriend that he wants to explore with dresses and nail polish and all that. And he's like, I just feel that I can't relate with my kid and I don't know what to do anymore. Mm. What would you say to him right now? And I know there's probably some parents out there listening that are probably in the same boat. Because again, this yeah. is all falling into kink, motherhood. This is a lifestyle. Yeah. So what would you, yeah. you give advice for the parents out there that might be struggling with the identity of their kids? Well, I've had some friends reach out to me who have asked me some similar questions. And I, you know, I, I have always said the first and f- foremost, the, the first thing that you can do is make them feel safe and comfortable and just say, like, first of all, I'm really proud of you for really like opening up and talking to me about this because it's not easy. Some mm-hmm. of these things are, are not easy. So thank you. And I feel really grateful that you can come and talk to me about this. I can't necessarily say that I understand it's not an experience that I have gone through but I want to support you and I want to know what that looks like for you you know so how how can we help support this in a way that is safe for you and that feels right for you and you know really just hearing from them more you know getting more information you know do you want to start with this at home do you want to start in the home here like with this you know type of exploration and curiosity here do you want are you wanting to do this at school like and and do you understand what that might come with I'm not telling you you shouldn't do it and no I just want to make sure you understand and that we talk about how you're going to be able to respond to people if you end up getting a hard time because some people aren't going to understand and I don't want you to ever hide who you are but I also want you to know that like some of this is going to have some hard conversations and we need to make sure we're talking about those Um, I've sent so many resources to friends who are having children kind of coming into the conversation right now around pronouns and around identity, gender identity and sexual identity and sexual preference. You know, when I was in college, it was the really popular thing to explore whether or not you're like a lesbian or a bisexual girl. And now it's happening at 13 and 12 and younger and maybe a little older too. But like regardless, like every generation is exploring things that the generation before did earlier and earlier and so just not burying your head in the sand as parents and really getting curious with them and saying are you having these conversations at school like seed the conversation with them if they're not bringing it home to you because they're learning about pronouns in elementary school now so get curious with them and have the conversations too so that they're not just hearing it at school but yeah I love that I love that that friend of yours reached out to you to say, I don't exactly know how to identify with this. I don't know. And of course, it's not necessarily going to feel comfortable. That's not the mark of a good parent Mm -hmm. as to whether or not it feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's are you willing to have the conversation? Are you willing to allow them to be curious and safe with you so that they can see how far they can go in the world with their curiosity and safety too? That was something similar to what I said to him because he was even like, man, I wish we can just go back to the simpler times I was like well if you think about it it wasn't simpler for kids growing up questioning I said I was raised in the Catholic school system for 12 years from first to 12th grade by choice by the way I was too scared to go to public school when I was able to graduate out of 
uh, middle school and eighth grade and go to a completely new high school. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to stick with Catholic. Catholicism, fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, but that was my that was my comfort it zone, you know. It was my choice. But I also, you know, did grow up a little confused. You know, why was I getting sexually aroused, not just by the music of Janet Jackson, but by her body? You know, why was I? Yeah, she's she's a fucking goddess. Because she's Janet. She's Janet, and I cannot wait to see Miss Janet next month. I'm so excited. But it was just like you know, growing up, you know, Catholic. I always thought anything I did in my sexuality, kissing a boy, getting fingered, I literally prayed every single interaction with sex I ever had up until I got oh, into girl. college. Me I was, too. Yeah, I was praying. I thought I had to marry the person that I let touch me. Yeah. Ugh. It's crazy. And it was funny because I was also so scared for a girl who was able to ask her parents anything about sex but I was too scared to ask them about my own sexual experiences yeah. until much later, you know? Totally. I, I was the same way. Now, you asked me when I got kinky. You did not ask me when I got horny. Yes. That was a very young age, and I was the first of my peer group having sex and um, had nobody to talk to, extremely conservative environment. I definitely would have been, like, shunned by my friends and things like that, and I didn't know what to do with the emotions because... I did. I thought I had to marry this person and I knew I didn't want to, <laughs> you know? So all of that stuff, just like no outlet for it. But my mom, again, like to her credit, you know, she she was able to intuit like kind of some things that were going on and she approached me about it. And so I was really luckier than most mm -hmm. to have somebody who would be able to talk to about that stuff. So fast forward, you know, a good 30 years later, does she feel super comfortable with what I'm doing today? No, not necessarily. Does no. she want to talk about how I'm living my life? No, not really. But she was a sex positive figure for me when I was coming around at that point. And I was, I was young and I was, I was a horny little girl. <laughs> Weren't we all? And I think that's why we gravitate so much to each other because I feel like you and I had similar upbringings surrounding sex and exploring our bodies because again yeah. like, you know I I lost my virginity when I was 16 I'll never forget it and then in closing and wrapping um I'll never forget it because I lost it on a trip to Europe and <laughs> and then I went to I went on a uh senior retreat which we called Kairos and it broke me completely. Like, I returned that day going to my parents crying. Mind you, it's the day before I'm about to take my SATs on top of that. And I just cried to them and I was like, I'm not a virgin anymore. I'm a horrible daughter. And, you know, my dad, like, had to leave the room because he was like, oh, my God, like, I can't look at my baby girl right now. Like, I wasn't ready for this. My mom was just like, did you use condoms? At least just, <laughs> did you use protection? But, yeah, I also need to, like, I need a minute, Megan. <laughs> it's a lot. And that's, it's like, been, lot. it's a lot. It's just, like, you know, there's never been anything subtle in my life about me. And God bless my parents because I feel like I could have sent them at an early grave no matter what. Like, when I do yeah. things, when I fuck up, I fuck up majorly in big ways, <laughs> phenomenal ways where I'm just like, God damn, how am I still alive? But it was nice to know that 
afterwards, after my parents like calmed down, after my dad had to kind of ignore me, taking me to my SAT on the longest 10 minute drive to Ooh, pick me I up. Bet. It was, my dad has never ignored me. And I, my dad is like my world. I am such a daddy's girl. My mom and I were like oil and vinegar at times. We're getting better in my adulthood. <laughs> but younger, oh God, that was like my sister. We fought a lot. <laughs> um, but again, it was just nice that after the SATs, my dad was able to talk to me and give me his insight from a male's perspective. And he's like, you know, I am disappointed, but I can't say that we didn't raise you to know better. So as long mm. as you are okay, you know, we can't fault you for exploring something. But we just hope that mm. in the future, maybe you do it in a sense where it's not just curiosity, but maybe you do it in a smarter way and aspect. And that was when I started on birth control. I think I went on birth yeah. control a week later and, you know my college send-off was a very big large box of costco condoms <laughs> and didn't you start giving condoms out to people in I college i did yes i did <laughs> this the whole reason why sapphire's airplay started was because we would have sunday night call-ins to my mom about sex i remember this i remember That's, this from when you were on my show yes. this is what spawned <laughs> sapphire's airplay formerly known as erotic city radio so it's like a lot of this i do have to thank my mom for it but yeah. it makes sense why she does not want to talk about this whole journey of the sexual deviant she <laughs> oh my gosh I just, just so appreciate that story. <laughs> I will say we don't have to go into it, but just like also another like losing virginity story. The day after I lost my virginity, I got baptized <gasps> and I thought for sure I was going to hell. And I was sitting there like everybody for sure knows that I had sex last night. In the, the forehead's going to burn. Just, I knew like the scarlet letter was like coming and I like, and I just remember I had this like, silk suit on and the water got on the silk suit and then I smelled like fish and I'm like this is what I get no. I'm at church and I smell like fish and I had sex last night and everybody knows <laughs> oh that how we have mine. oh how much we have grown from our excursions <laughs> right in our experience right. <laughs> that that religious guilt y'all it be it be hit yeah, well, it Anya, does not beat out. I, I just have to say thank you so much for just being the badass, just badass female. I hate to say the bad bitch because like not every woman should be called a bitch. I'm sorry. That's just just how I roll. But thank you mm. for just being the amazing priestess, goddess, friend from Moan that I cherish so, so much. Happy fucking Mother's Day to you. Mm, Where can you. people get in touch with you and just, you know, just dive into the sanctum and whatnot? Oh, my God. I would love for everybody to find us. Uh, Theflamingyoni.com is our website. There is a page there for Slut Sisters and membership, and you can do that. I am on Twitter at Priestess Anya. I am on Instagram at Priestess Anya. And as of today, I'm still on TikTok as at Priestess Anya. <laughs> so we will see where it all goes. Anya is A-I-N-E. So Perfect. And of course, I'm going to be linking um, your link tree to this episode so you can get all the links all in one spot. Follow that ass. Listen to the Flaming Yoni. It is earplay certified. 
Because, honey, I don't push mm. a lot of podcasts because the producer mm. ear starts turning and I'm like, nah, I can't do this. But what I mean, I love, love listening to you ladies on and off moan into the flaming yoni. I just feel that I am just sitting and sipping on wine with my weed pen and just enjoying mm. good, wholesome, 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 wholesome. <laughs> Not wholesome, from the sacred to the salacious. Yes. Okay. I adore you so so much. So mm. thank you just thank for you. everything that you keep doing in this community. We need more mamas out there like you. So thank you. Mm. Of course, you thank can find you. me, y'all, at Ms. Radio Sapphire on Instagram. No Twitter. Um, I am taking a break personally from the Moan app for at least a month. We will see. Um, just got to do what I got to do, but. Sapphire's Earplay will be uh, continuing on some episodes. Like I said, my girl, Mistress K, the headstrong housewife herself, is going to be coming on next week for a really good episode. We're talking about sex, like older sex. We're talking about the mature mm. sex and why mm. we need to stop shunning folks for being older and freaky into their own. Mm-hmm. So you see there's a pattern going on. We got you, mm-hmm. Anya, and now we got Mistress K coming up. So you guys don't want to miss that. At MsRadioSapphire.com, at Sapphire's Earplay, every podcast outlet that you need. And of course, I'll catch you guys next time. Remember that safe sex is the best hot sex. Till next week, good night. That was the show, all you sexy motherfuckers out there. Remember to follow at Ms. Radio Sapphire and Sapphire's Earplay on Instagram. Want some eargasms of the past and future? Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all streaming platforms.